Well, the Grinch is definitely my favorite Christmas cartoon that's shown every year. I can't even lie. Every time his heart grows, I might cry just a little bit. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about heart change. If you would bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are, Lord. God, I thank you that you are so good. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the reason for this season. And God, I pray as we are enjoying ourselves today, as we're having fun in the house of God, that we too, Lord God, would remember, Jesus, what we have in you, the gift that we have because you gave yourself for us. God, I pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears to hear your message today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Men, get to chewing that popcorn. I hope you all save me a bag for when I'm done. <laughs> the Grinch. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. As you guys know, we started a new sermon series last week, and Pastor Joshua shared one of his favorites, Charlie Brown, and the searching for meaning during Christmas. Today we're going to look at a different classic Christmas story and apply biblical principles from the story of Jesus' birth to our life today. And we're going to do this from The Grinch. To start in a Dr. Seuss's fashion, I wrote a poem for you. Y'all ready? <laughs> we're going to break down our teaching as an acrostic because why not? I love acrostics. I love them a lot. I haven't done one in a while, so go ahead and smile. After all, there may be a little Grinch in us all, no matter how small. My prayer is that you will know that only Christ can make your heart grow. So let it grow inch by inch as we learn six godly lessons from my friend, the Grinch. <laughs> All right, so six godly lessons from my friend, the Grinch here. Number one, we must not give in to greed. We're breaking down the Grinch as an acrostic. If you're filling in your talking over sheet, the first fill in the blank is greed. Mm. See, the Grinch believes that the Who's only celebrated Christmas out of a hypocritical materialism, hence the reason for him stealing the materials in the first place. How many of you know someone who is a little bit like the Grinch? Someone who just don't really like Christmas time because of the commercialism, because of materialism, because of the greed. <clears throat> I used to call Pastor Josh, y'all. I used to call him the Grinch. Yeah, in the beginning of our marriage, I called him the Grinch. See, I grew up with uh, Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus in my household, so I had a pretty nice Christmas growing up. And, well, I enjoyed Christmas time, but then, you know, I got radically saved and married a radical man for Jesus. And, well, he taught me a song in the beginning of our marriage called, Oh, Christmas Tree. Why don't you put that one up? Oh, Christmas Tree, oh, Christmas Tree, you're nothing but idolatry. And so for the first several years of our marriage, we didn't even have a Christmas tree because, well, we wanted to celebrate the real reason for, for the season, which is Jesus. But we got maybe just a little bit legalistic for a while. Matter of fact, when I finally, when we, we had kids after being married nearly three years, I said, well, I'm still going to get my kids Shua, some presents, but we're going to limit it. Jesus got three when he was born, I'm going to only give Shua three presents. And I did that for the first several years um, of our marriage. Although, we, again, you got to remember, 
their papa and their grandma was, you know, Mr. Mr. Claus and Mrs. Claus. So they still got plenty of presents. But still, for mom and dad, I was holding on strong. And so I realized, man, if you add up the value of Jesus' presence that he got, I mean, frankincense, gold, and myrrh, I'm being a little legalistic here. You know, this, this picture here went viral um, of this person in, in uh, I think she was from Europe somewhere, I think in Britain, and people were judging and saying, oh, blah, 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 or saying things like, oh, man, she's advertising for her, her house to get robbed or whatnot. But, you know, I looked at that picture, and it kind of brought me joy. I wasn't, you know, you know, you don't know her circumstances. You don't know how many kids she has. And so, you know, and it kind of brought me back a little bit to my childhood. <laughs> My pile wasn't quite that big, but it was close. (laughs) And, you know, this is the thing. We have to be careful. We have to be careful not to be greedy, but we also have to be careful not to be legalistic. See, the Christmas season starts off the day after Christmas. We call it in in America Black Friday. But now some retailers have moved it up even uh, sooner to Thanksgiving. And I heard a couple commercials calling it Thanksgiving. Now, I love Thanksgiving, but I also love a bargain. So, you know, I'm not judging because I saw some of y'all there at Walmart when I was there on Thanksgiving Day, too. So (laughs) this is the thing. Again, we have to be careful. If we're getting a deal, that's awesome. Get a deal. But make sure that your heart is not greedy while you're doing it. Because it's not about the presence. It's about God's presence. And I think it's awesome that we give presence on the day that we celebrate Jesus' birth. Because it represents the gift that he gave to us. And the number one way to fight greed is to do what Jesus did and become a giver. See, Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4, those who know me know this is one of my favorite um, account, accounts in the Bible. He said this to her. He answered her and he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Listen, friends, he said, if you knew the gift, the gift of God, Jesus is a gift for us. Friends, many of us today still don't know the gift we have in Jesus. Even Christians sometimes need to be reminded of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we were sinners saved by grace, that it's not by works. Unlike what we learned growing up with Santa Claus, you don't have to be, it's not about being on the nice list with Jesus because our goodness is never good enough. Our standard of being good can't compete. Pete, with God's standard of being good, his Ten Commandments, all of us have broken at least one of them. How many of us in this place, you don't have to raise your hand, have told a lie at least one time in your life? Therefore, you've broken at least one commandment. And the Bible says if you've broken one, then you're guilty of breaking them all. So none of us could ever be on God's nice list. But thank God, that's not the list that he has in heaven. He has a list that has every single name in the book of life that believes in the gift that he sent in his son, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the gift. He is our savior. He is our Lord. I like how Romans explains it in chapter 5. We're going to read 14 through 17 in the message version. It breaks it down so good. It says, you know the story of how Adam landed us in a dilemma we're in. First sin, then death. And no one is exempt from either sin or death. The sin disturbed relations with God in everything and everyone. 
But the extent of the disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. <clears throat> so death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us in this, into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of this. Yet, the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead end abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured out through one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between the death-dealing sin and this generous, life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was death sentence. The verdict on many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes, sovereign life, in those who grasp with both hands this wildly extravagant life gift, this grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. Isn't that beautiful? That's the gospel, friends, in a nutshell. Jesus died for your sin. Before he died for your sin, though, friends, he left heaven in all his glory. Philippians 2 said that he stripped himself from all the glory in heaven. And he didn't come down like Superman. He came down vulnerable like a baby. And he wrapped himself in humanity, friends, so that he, we don't have a Lord, we don't have a Savior that doesn't understand what we go through. But he has been tempted in every way, and yet he did not sin, friends. And yet he still became the gift of God for all of us. God himself says in his word, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Father God set an example as a giver. 2,000 plus years ago when he gave his only begotten son on that beautiful starry night, friends. If you want to overcome greed in your life, follow the example of Jesus and become a giver. Become a giver. Give yourself away. Give your time away. Help. You know what? I I don't know why God blesses me to see beauty in people. I, I thank God for that gift. And just yesterday, my mom and I and my middle son was at Walmart in a stranger stopped us and was asking for some help and direction. I don't know. I got that face, I guess, uh, on trying to find a size that would fit her child the right way. And I noticed she was carrying this cute little angel around. I said, oh, are you sponsoring a child for Christmas? And she said, yes, she is. Friends, there's people that are thinking beyond themselves this Christmas season, and they're givers. God wants us all to be a giver because he first was a giver, and that's how we defeat greed. Another godly lesson we can learn from the Grinch is we need to reach out to others. See, the Grinch was a recluse, an outsider, a marginalized person from society of the Whovilles. The story starts with a series of images showing how nasty, wasty the Grinch is. According to Thurl Ravenscoff's song, he was a bad banana. (laughs) That's a 
cuddly as a cactus that nobody would even want to touch with a 39 and a half foot pole amongst other descriptions. Come on, you know what? You're a foul one. You're a nasty, wasty skunk. Your heart is full of unwashed socks. Your soul is full of gunk, mister. The three words that best describe you as follows, I quote, stink, stank, stunk. Friends, maybe the Grinch would not have hated Christmas so much if he would have felt some love, right? If maybe he would have felt some hope. I don't know how many of you guys have seen the Jim Carrey version of, our, of the Grinch Love it. Love it, okay? Maybe the Grinch would have felt, his heart wouldn't have been so small if he would have felt some love. Let's think of it this way. God tells us that we're to reach out to others. How many people during this season feel so alone, feel so depressed, feel like nobody cares for them? I just saw on Facebook uh, a family member of mine who is an an elderly woman who doesn't live in uh, the area talking about just the, how basically sad she gets at Christmas time because her husband's gone, her kids are grown and moved on with their own families, and she's by herself a lot. And I just thought, how many people in our own church are like that? How many people that, that we could reach right around here that feel alone, that feel like an outsider, that feel marginalized, that feel maybe like the Grinch, that nobody cares for them? And we are called to reach out. You know, here at Vision Ministries, our mission statement is what? H2O, which stands for Hope to Others. That's what we're all about is reaching out to others, bringing them into the fold, making them feel like they're not alone, that they don't have to be by themselves. God birthed that in us nine years ago when we started the church. I still remember to this day when we started, we said, you know what? We're going to start with just prayer. It's Pastor Josh, Dawn, and a few others that were here with us that day on a Sunday morning. I'm not sure, mom and dad, if you were here that day or not. We just started with prayers before we started service. I know Josh's mom was with us. And we were holding hands, maybe about 20 of us, and we were praying. And we said, we're going to do this for the first month. All we're going to do is pray. And that very first day, this place was empty. I mean, we didn't have chairs. We didn't have, we didn't have anything done. The paint was still getting done. I mean, there was, we didn't have any furnishing. We didn't have the sound equipment yet. We came together and we were praying and this place felt empty and I felt sad. And then here came, walked in to the church, Francis, my Moyer, the destroyer. I'm Pastor Josh. Y'all watch the VeggieTales. You know what I'm talking about. He came in and I was so excited. I was like, I mean, I was so happy to see Francis. And Francis said, this is going to be my church home. And I just was so excited over France. Now, anyone who knows Francis, he's kind of our uh, church do-everything man. And he, <laughs> we used to laugh and tease and said he came with the building. Um, I mean, he just, he is, he's a blessing, but he sometimes can get under your skin. And he knows this. He, if, oh, there he is. He's smiling at me now. He knows it's the truth. I'm like, if he was here, he would, he would testify. But when he came in that day, I was so excited. And this is what the Lord whispered to me when Francis came in and I felt joy come up in my spirit. He said, will you leave the 99 to go after the one? And I said, yes, Lord, I will. And then he brought me to the scripture in Luke 15, 1 through 7, the parable of the lost sheep. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners to eat with them. Then Jesus told him this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. 
Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons that do not need to repent. Listen, friends, and we have got to get out of the 99 club. And we've got to start reaching out to people. See, in the 99, we feel comfortable and we feel safe. But God asks us to leave the 99 to reach the one lost person, the one marginalized person, the one unlovable, annoying person, the one Grinch-like person, the one sinner that's out there that we know, the one person who doesn't live righteous, who doesn't believe in God. God wants us to reach them with the love and hope that we have in Christ. Friends, are you reaching out to others? Are you willing to leave the comfort of the 99 to share the gospel with someone who really needs to hear it? That's what God has called us to do. It's time for Vision Ministries to get out of our box and to reach people with the gospel. And that's not just with outreaches and events and, oh, they do it here, they do it there. We can't just expect others to do it. That's for every single one of us have a part in that. And you know what? We have to make it intentional. For me, I'm not around people who don't know Jesus as much as I used to be because I work at a church. And so when I go to the gym and I'm working out with new people, I just love on them. I, I just, I'm just myself. I talk about Jesus. When I go through the checkout line, you can ask my sister, I bring up Jesus there. One time, you remember when the cashier had an attitude with me and I was like, I wonder why she had an attitude with me. And, and <laughs> Jen said, well, do you realize you like, you know, every time we go to that store, you, you, you bring up Jesus. It might make them feel uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice. It's just, it's just natural. I've made it natural because I want to share his love with others. Even if they feel uncomfortable, you never know when they could come back around and build relationship with people. I'm doing that now at the gym with different ladies that I didn't know before I started working out and doing these classes with them. Building relationship, reaching out to others. That is what God has called us to do. Hope to others. Leaving the 99 to reach the one. When you do it, friends, there's no greater feeling than that. Another godly lesson we can learn from the classic story of the Grinch is eventually our immorality will be found out. See, then he got an idea, an awful idea. The Grinch had a wonderful idea. We know the story how the Grinch got dressed up like Santa Claus, how he dressed his dog Max up like a reindeer, how he went to Whoville and stole Christmas, how he climbed on the roof to the Who, slid down the tr- chimney and stole their stockings and everything that was under the tree, stole all their Christmas treats and all of their, uh, their Who feast. He even stole the last can of Who hash. Mm. And then he stole their tree. It was then when he was stuffing the tree up the chimney that he was interrupted by, you guessed it, right? Little Cindy Lou Who, who was not more than two. And she asked him a relatively simple question. Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking the Christmas tree? Why? And the Grinch did what any good Grinch would do. He lied. Why, my sweet little tot, the fake Santa Claus lied? There's a light on this tree that won't light on one side. 
So I'm taking it home to my wor workshop, my dear. I'll fix it up there. Then I'll bring it back here. Friends, he lied to the little kid. And when he was done, he went to the other who's houses and he sold everything, not even leaving a crumb that was big enough for the mouses, right? <laughs> Friends, one of my prayers that I pray over my children, and I try to pray at least five times a week, is that God, if they do something wrong, let them get caught. Let them get caught if they're guilty. You can ask Shua in the front row. Shua's like, how you know? Well, I've been praying that, son. Let them get caught. One time, he just mentioned something to a, 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 another person. Barely even mentioned Josh, Pastor Joshua went up to him and said, what was he talking about with so-and-so? And he was like, oh, I don't remember. He was like, I know what you were talking about. And he spit out. He was like, how did you know? <laughs> right? My prayer is that we get caught when we're guilty, not just for my children. I want that for myself. If my heart has sinned against the Lord, God, show me. Reveal it to me that I can repent. That's what Cindy Lou was. I believe she was, and the way I see it, because, of course, I make this movie Christian even though it wasn't. But <laughs> she, to me, reminds me of how the Holy Spirit gives us a conscience that would speak to us and say, man, you're wrong in this. See, Psalms 119.71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through things so that we can learn his ways. God has given us each a conscience that the Holy Spirit uses to speak to us when we are in sin. This is a gift from God that we can turn and repent. Here's just a few scriptures about the conscience. Isaiah 30.21, And your ears shall hear the word be behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or where you turn to the left, Romans 2, 15, they show the work of the law is written on their heart while their conscience also bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accu uh, accuse or even excuse them. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with hearts sprinkled clean from evil consciences and our body washed with pure water. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. 1 Timothy 1, 5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and good conscience and a sincere faith. Let us all pray that when we fall away, that our immorality, when we fall into immorality, that we will get caught, that our conscience would wake us up, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us, that we would be able to come back. And when we do receive that correction, that word of truth, instead of being upset by it, remember that God disciplines those he loves, that he disciplines his sons. If not, if you have not received a word of correction from the Lord, the Bible even says in Hebrews, that maybe you're not a legitimate son or child of God, friends. We've got to hear when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. Best believe, either here today or when we stand before him, our immorality will be found out. So let's just go a step further and say, God, here's my heart. I bear it before you. Amen. Another godly lesson we can learn from the classic story of the Grinch is things are not always as they seem. <clears throat> things are not always as they seem. See, the Grinch then takes his sleigh to the top of Mount Crumpet, and he prepares to dump all the presents into the, what, 
abyss. As dawn breaks, he expects to hear the hoops bitter and sorrowful cries, but instead is confused to hear them singing a joyous Christmas song instead. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Friends, we know that Christmas means that we celebrate the birth of Christ. But friends, sometimes what we don't understand is that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And good people still go through things. And it's oftentimes I see Christian people who suffer and go through things. It's in that time that their, test, their faith is being tested. We've got to keep our faith in Christ and not turn. And it's sometimes easy to just get to doubt and to turn. And the Lord wants us to remember that he never promised us that we weren't going to go through things, but he promised us that he would be with us when we do. John 14, 27 says this, and this is Jesus speaking, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Friends, we can even look at the Old Testament and see Joseph. And Joseph in the Old Testament, I'm not talking about Mary and Joseph. I'm talking about Old Testament Joseph. He had trouble in paradise, if you will. He felt he had a dream and that he, he knew that one day God would make him ruler. Even his father and his brothers would bow to him. But before that dream happened, things are not always as they seem. His brothers got jealous and threw him into a ditch, then basically sold him into slavery. Not only was he sold into slavery, then he was accused of rape and thrown into jail. But yet God used all those things to work together for his good. Do you know the Bible says he works together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose. Things are not always as they seem. Sometimes you go through hardships. Sometimes you go through things. But God is still working. You've got to trust him. You've got to fix your eyes to the Lord. You've got to know that this we are aliens and strangers passing through. This is temporal. But God has eternity for us. You've got to trust in the Lord. Romans 8.28 is the verse I just quoted, and it's one of my favorite. Write that down, remember that, and know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. A few years ago, our kids came home, and they shared with us about one of the friends that go to school with them that actually live here in the neighborhood. They had a Grinch experience. Somebody broke into their house and stole all of their presents and even their TV that they just got right from the tree just days or weeks before Christmas. It was just put, it was, we were so heartbroken for them. And so people were coming together to bless them. And Pastor Joshua that year and I planned ahead of time. And uh, we only had one TV at the time. Or, no, we had a big, ugly, one of those big, ugly box TVs, you, you, you know. One, one of those ones that takes, like, five men to carry. So we had one of those TVs, and we wanted to upgrade for our children and get them, you know, a flat-screen one that we can mount. Oh, we gave that one away. Oh, we didn't have any. Yeah, we gave that one away to a single mom in the church. We sure did with the armoire. I love that armoire. It made the house look so clean when we shut it. Anyway, we gave all that away, and then have, we didn't have any TV for the, for the kids. We just had the one TV, and so if Josh and I wanted to watch our show, the kids would be, you know, right up there. And so we wanted to bless them for Christmas and get a family gift. All four of them were going to get this present of a TV for Christmas. And so we bought it. We got a good deal. We found it. We bought it and we hid it. And I can't say where because I have a kid in here now, but we hid it from them. And, <laughs> and it was in there for a couple weeks in the, in the hiding spot. Ooh. And the Lord put it on Pastor Joshua's heart 
to give our TV away that we bought for our kids to this family who just had their TV stolen. And so he did what any good dad would do. He brought the kids down and said, hey, kids, Merry Christmas. This is the present we got you for, for uh, Christmas, but God told us to give it away. <laughs> so the kids were like, yeah, oh, you know. Um, and so once, once we got them and, and reminded them it's always better to give than to receive and, and that God blesses those who are obedient, you know, we, we, we got them sanctified and they were happy about giving it to and we knew that we needed to do this right away or our flesh would kick in and we would change our minds, you know. And so we called up that family, we, we loaded up that car, uh, the, the TV in our car and we took it down the street to their house. And I'm telling you, the feeling that we had, it was amazing. And our kids were able to see that. Friends, God and that family realize things are not always as it seems. Not only did they get that blessed from us, they got blessed from another church, and TCS blessed them too. It's probably one of their best Christmases that they ever had. God works together for the good of those who love him and according to his purpose. Do you have an attitude of Christ when bad things happen to you? When you go through hard times, are you quick to judge and lose faith? Things are not always as they seem. God has a plan. Trust in him. Another godly lesson we can learn from the classic story of the Grinch is God is all about changing our hearts. He's all about changing our hearts. In the beginning of the story, the Grinch had a heart that was how many sizes too small? Two sizes too small, to be exact. But after he learns that the who's who hold Christmas to a higher, more noble standard in which people are valued more than things, his heart begins to soften and he accepts the who villain way of life. For the first time ever, the Grinch begins to believe that maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from the store. Maybe Christmas perhaps is a little bit more. This revelation is what begins the transformation within the Grinch. Then, well, in Whoville, they say, the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. See, friends, God wants us to change our heart. If one thing that we have tell others, tell our children, tell people around us, the only thing we can really give back to God. He owns everything, a cattle on a thousand hill. The only thing we can give to him that he really wants is our heart. He's about heart transformation. He's about heart change, friends. We give our hearts to him. See, this moment here, the Grinch, which, yes, I told you guys, I cry almost every year when I watch it. Like, I just love to see his heart grow. It it makes me so excited because that's what we're about. That's what we're about, to see hearts change. It kind of reminds me of King David and how he said, renew a a resolute spirit within me, which also hearkens to the need for a heart transformation, just as he showed us what a defiled heart can be by killing Christmas, the Grinch now shows us what a pure heart can do by restoring it. Likewise, through both of our own wickedness and by witnessing the wickedness of others, all of which point to the separation between us and God, we know that what a defiled heart can do. Thankfully, we also have the example of a pure heart in Jesus Christ and what that can do. This Christmas, friends, and throughout the year, let's strive to activate a pure heart within us. Let's strive to be more like Jesus. See, Psalms 51, 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone 
from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Friends, the only gift that God wants is our heart. It's what we can give to him, a changed heart, a heart that's not the same. See, the Bible says that what we once were, we are not anymore. It's a transformation. It's a changing that God wants. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. God desires transformation in us, friends. He wants us to change our heart before him. He wants us to get rid of every impure thing and lay it before him and let him do the work. We can't do it by our, our own strength, but God can surely do it. His arm is not too short. If you feel that there's something in your heart that you know is not pleasing to the Lord, I encourage you, I employ you, give it to him today. He can take that from you. And finally, the last thing that I want to talk about today, the last last godly lesson that we can learn from my friend the Grinch is honor can be restored. As much as I love heart change, friends, I love restoration. That's what the gospel is all about. It's taking people who are far from Christ and making them one in Christ. People without a family and bringing them into a family, friends. People who had no father and making them realize that they have a father in God. Friends, that is what it's about. Restoration. And that's what happened to the Grinch. See, the Grinch shrunken heart suddenly grows three sizes larger. The reformed Grinch returns all of the Who's presents and trimmings and is warmly invited to the Who's feast where he has the honor of carving the roast beast. The other day I, I cooked a ham and Jordan, who's maybe the only other person in the house that likes the Grinch more than me, said, we got the roast beast. <laughs> Friends, God wants to restore your dignity. He wants to restore your honor. We've got to get better at the church, as a church of bringing lost people back in. When someone backslides or someone goes astray, we've got to do better at making them feel welcome back into the fold when they come back. We don't want to be ones who shun people when they fall away or when they sin. We want to be ones who love them back into the kingdom. The Bible says that the, that the world would know we're his disciples by the love that we share, friends. We've got to restore people's honor to them because they are created in the very image of God. Life should be honored by all. Friends, I want us to stand on our feet today and ask the Lord to help us restore honor. See, Jeremiah 30, 17 says this. It says, for I will restore health to you and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. It is Zion for whom no one cares. Joe 2, 25 and 26. I will restore to you the years the swarming locusts have eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt with you. And all my people shall never again be put to shame. Psalms 51, 12, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit in my favor. Acts 3, 19, 21. Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come within the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must be received until the time of restoring all things which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago, friends. Friends, it's time 
for us to allow God to grow our heart. It's time to be transformed. It's time to allow honor to be restored in our life. Friends, if you have greed in this place, it's time to lay it down. If you've been just about the 99 club and you haven't reached out to others, it's time to step out of your comfort zone and to reach out to somebody else. If there's maybe some immorality in your life, friends, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He wants to speak that to you so that you can repent and get right. And then you got to remember, man, when you're going through hard times, things are not always as they seem. God is working in you. He's alive and he's active today. His word is working in you. Let it do what it's set out to do. And God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for each person under the sound of my voice. God, that you would change our hearts. That you would change our hearts. God, that our heart would grow truly inch by inch, Lord, that you would let it grow, Lord Jesus. That we would have more room in our heart to love and forgive. God, that we could see honor restored to our fellow man. That we can see them being restored back into right relationship with you, Jesus. God, I pray during this Christmas season that we will remember, Jesus, that you are the reason for the season. It's not about how many presents we have in the tree. God, it's about your presence with us. God, make us givers. Make us ones who reach out to others with hope and love. God, would you change our hearts? Would you change our minds? Would you renew your love within us, Lord? Would you transform us today? In Jesus' name. If there's anyone in here who has not given their hearts to the Lord, would you raise your hand? It means we're all family in here. If there's somebody in here that feels that they know they need to step out a little bit more, out of their comfort zone to bring others to, the, to, the, to know Jesus, would you raise your hand in this place today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If that's you today and you know that you need to step out of the comfort zone, I'm going to ask you, to start right now by stepping out of the comfort of your seat. And if you would come up here, our prayer team wants to pray for you. They want to pray for you. So if you could just come on out of your seat. Jesus. I also believe that God's raising up givers in this place. If you feel that's you, that God's going to raise you up with a generous spirit to be a giver, would you raise your hand in here today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on up here. We would like to pray for you, too. At this time, if the rest of you guys could just raise your hands before the Lord, I would like to speak a blessing over you before I release you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for who you are. God, I speak your blessing over your people. God, I thank you that the people here in this room love you. And God, that they've given their heart to you, Lord, that they're willing to step out in faith to reach others for you. God, I pray that you will give them a boldness that only comes from you. God, I pray that you will bless them and that you will prosper them and that they would know how good your love is for them and how good your plan is for them. In Jesus' name, thank you.